talk to you this evening on the subject of the spectrum of love. We know that from time to time there arise among human beings people who seem to exude love as naturally as the sun gives out heat. We would like to be like that by and large, man's religions are attempts to cultivate that same power in ordinary people. But unfortunately, they normally go about this task as one would attempt to make the tail wag the dog. I remember when I was a small boy in school, I was enormously interested in being able do my schoolwork properly. And everybody told me that I didn't work hard enough and that I ought to work. I had an intense desire to do this. But when I asked, how do you work? Everybody shut up like a clam. So I was extremely puzzled. But there were teachers who apparently knew how to work and attained considerable high school scholarship. I admired them very much for their attainments, and so I thought that maybe I could learn the secret by copying their mannerisms. I would imitate the style of handwriting that they used. I would use the same kind of pen. I would affect the same mannerisms of speech and gesture, and insofar as I could get around the school uniform, even in COVID, I must assure you this, of course, was a private school in England, not a public school in America. But none of this revealed the secret, because I was, as it were, copying the outward symptoms and knew nothing of the inner countenance of being able to work. And exactly the same thing is true in the case of people who love. When we study the behavior of people who have the power of love within them, we can catalogue uh, how they behave in various situations and out of this catalogue formulate some rules. One of the peculiar things we notice about people who have this astonishing universal love is that they are apt, but not always so, but they are apt very often to play it rather cool on sexual love. The reason for this is, generally speaking, unknown to preachers. But it is because an erotic relationship with the external world operates, so far as they're concerned, between that world and every single nerve ending. Their whole organism, uh, in all its aspects, physical, psychological and spiritual, is an erogenous zone. And therefore, their flow of love is not specialized or canonized so uh, exclusively in the genital system as it is with most other people, especially in a culture such as ours, where for so many centuries that particular expression of erotic love has been so marvelously repressed as to make it seem the most desirable kind of love that there is. And so uh, we have, as a result of 2,000 years of Christianity,
love are apt to give things away. Uh, they are in every way like rivers, they stream. And so when they collect possessions and things that they like, they are apt to give them to other people. Because uh, when you, if you ever notice that when you start giving things away, you keep getting more. In the same way as you empty uh, out, uh, you create a vacuum, nature pours a vacuum and more flows in. So, <clears throat> noticing this, the codifiers of loving behavior write down that you uh, should give uh, so much money to uh, tax-deductible institutions and uh, to the poor and uh, that you should uh, be nice to people, that you should act uh, towards your relatives and your friends and indeed even your enemies as if you love them, even if you don't. And of course, for Christians and Jews and believers in God, there is a peculiarly difficult task enjoined upon us, namely, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God, not only here going through the motions of it externally, but with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And that is, of course, very demanding indeed. But you see what is happening. It is as if, for example, we admire the music of a certain studied his style very thoroughly, we draw up the rules of musical composition based on the behavior of this composer. We then go to send our children to music school where they learn these rules in the hope that if they apply them, they also will turn into first-class musicians, which they usually fail to do. Because what might be called the technique of music, as well as the technique of morals, as well as, say, the technique of speech, of language. It's very valuable because it gives you something to express if, and I repeat if, you have anything to express. But if you don't, if you don't have anything to say, not even the greatest master of English will uh, stand you in good stead unless you can manage to fool your listeners uh, by
in the hope that we can contact this power, the less subtle preachers simply say, uh, you don't have enough faith, you don't have enough guts, you don't have enough willpower, if you only put your wheel, uh, I mean your shoulder to the wheel and shove, you would be, of course, uh, an exemplar and a saint. Actually, you will only be an extremely clever hypocrite. Uh, the whole history of religion is a history of the failure of preaching. Preaching is uh, moral violence. If you, you know, uh, when you deal with the so-called practical world and people don't behave as you would wish they would, you get out the army or the police force or the big stick and if or are those strike you as somewhat crude, uh, you will resort to giving lectures. <laughs> and I mean lectures in the sense of a pie jaw, a solemn adjuration and exhortation to behave better next time. Now, let us look at some of the practical consequences of adjuring people and commanding people to love. Many a parent says to the child, Nice children love their mothers. And, uh, of course, I'm sure you're a nice child. You ought to love your mother, but not because I, your mother, say so, but because you really want to do so. Because one of the difficulties is, none of us in our heart of hearts respect love which is not freely given. If, for example, you are an ailing parent, and you need to be looked after, and you have a son or daughter, who feels dutifully that they should look after you because after all, you've done so much for them. But this somehow, your living with your father or mother prevents you from having a home and a life of your own. Naturally, you resent this duty and your parent is well aware that you resent it even if they pretend to ignore it. They therefore feel guilty that they have imposed upon your loyalty and you, in turn, can't really disclose from yourself the fact that you hate them for getting sick even though they couldn't help it. And therefore, nobody enjoys the relationship. It is a painful duty carried out. And the same thing would naturally happen if after a number of years, uh, having at, at the altar made a solemn and terrible promise that you would love your wife and husband, come what may, forever and ever, till death do you part, and suddenly you find you really haven't at the heart in you to do it anymore, then uh, you feel guilty and that you ought to love your wife, uh, family or whatever. And naturally, uh, this is a sort of fiasco, as would be obvious, if you were to ask your wife, do you really love me? And she were to reply, I'm trying very hard to do so. 